0: welcome to dynasty think tank i'm chad parsons he's jordan mcmara we share our research experience and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes now is the time to seek elite results Big thoughts of the week, and we're going to talk about some macro dynasty owner traits and strategies, and frankly, uh, some awareness uh, that that I wanted to discuss. And let's talk about, you know, the DNA for a dynasty owner. What do you think in terms of what would be tough to overcome as a deficiency? What do you think is the most important trait for you to have or that you have observed? We have so many conversations with a variety of dynasty owners. What do you think is, is a key trait to, to really insulate your floor, unlock some ceiling outcomes uh, for actually managing one of these teams?
1: It, there's a bunch of them, but I, I just think being thoughtful about what you're doing is huge. Uh, and whether that's trying to get more strategic information, right? Thinking you know, a, a strategy into play in your uh, trades and your drafts and those sorts of things, you know, just being thoughtful in terms of, in, in, in you know, implementing a strategy. I think it's huge because I, I find too often that, you know, people ask me about, about trades or about draft picks or whatever. And I, I just always come back to, well, why are you doing it? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And so oftentimes that'll, that'll shape what you're, what you're thinking. And I just, I see people, uh, kind of out in the wilderness, out in the woods, and uh, their dynasty teams because they haven't put much thought into what they're doing. They're just, they're just making transactions and making you know ad hoc decisions that don't really you know move them in the direction of winning a championship. So that's really the thing for me is I just think you know be thoughtful and and you know and, and intentional with your decision process.
0: Yeah, intentional. I think that's a really good word. I was actually thinking while you were talking, pragmatic. You know, that might be another. Yeah. Um, description word where it, it, it talks about just having a plan. Now you can uh, morph and, and adjust and reiterate and recalibrate over the, over time. And we've all we've discussed that we throw that in, in terms of our journey over the years, um, and, and soon to be decades, you know, of, of doing dynasty stuff where uh, you know, that that can change your your vision. We actually talked about on Deeper Dive a couple of things that, you know, you talked about five years ago how how we might view certain wide receivers a little differently than we do today and, and our process with that. So, um yeah, I, I think just like you said, having a plan and to where it's not that you've made all the decisions, you know, they always talk about, you know, having a like NFL coaches, they have a chart, right? Of like, well, this means we're going to go. This means we're going to, you know, punt or this means we're going to uh, go for two or whatever it is. And part of the dialogue of that is so that, you know, in the moment you don't have to make as much irrational potential decisions, right? Like they talked about, you know, the lions when they got back to, was it fourth, at, you know, four, from the seven, was that it? Right. They go for two from the the seven mm-hmm. and, or the 12 or something. Yeah. Right. Like they were just like all in on going for two, no matter what. I think it was from the 12. So that was, that was one where you say, well, that would be something like if it's on your chart, are you going to go for two if it's from the 12 yard line? And the answer is probably, you know, if you're sitting <laughs> in an offense, the answer is probably no. And that, so sometimes, you know, whether it's hey, you don't take this type of profile at this point in the rookie draft. Hey, uh, you know, maybe this is where you look to trade out or this is where you typically build from uh, when you're doing a startup draft. Those types of building block elements can save you from yourself, where it's like, hey, you randomly get asked, oh, should I trade up uh, for this player in round two of my startup draft? And it's like, maybe on fundamental value, the answer to that is no. It's like, well, you're trading up for this guy or this position. It's like, the answer is no. Like, no, you shouldn't be shouldn't be doing that. It's like, but it's this guy. It's like, well, but we already discussed like, it's because like this is not how you would build it uh, from that. Um, I actually thought about it from all the different angles of you know, it, between you know player evaluation, trading, uh, waiver wire, you know lineups, start like what, like all that stuff. I I thought about it in terms of, I think the thing that would set you uh, up for success if you stunk at a lot of the other things, if you were good in terms of managing trades, I think you would have a pretty good shot because the waiver wire, if you if you trade well and you have a good pragmatic approach to what you want to do concepts. You're not afraid to throw out deals, which a lot of people are, uh, you know how to navigate counter offers um, and you have a good general sense of the market versus what I might want to do, all those types of things. I think you can navigate a lot of deficiencies through trading. And the other thing is you can actually just sub out and say, I'm never going to evaluate rookies in a sense, because, I, I and, and this is something that I was definitely not open to five or 10 years ago. You could actually have the mindset and DNA as a dynasty owner of saying, I'm never going to make a rookie pick, and you could be just fine. Now, that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean two years out you're trading all your picks away. I mean, you might still be on the clock and have a pick, Um, so sometimes you might get stuck. But the point is, you can navigate through and just trade them at various points for various price tags, for veterans, for future picks, whatever – you don't actually have to say, ooh, I don't know if I should pick this wide receiver or this running back at 205. You never really have to do that. So that's not a requisite dynasty skill or trait. I think you could accomplish that via trading. I think if you had certain uh, you know, deficiencies in season, you could probably address that via trading. I mean, if it's, you know, team defense or whatever, I mean, you could literally just pick somebody up. Like I don't think that takes a lot of skill, you know, so I think you could pick that up. So I'm just thinking that trading, if you stink at trading, there is some level of requirement to trade in Dynasty Leagues because if you say it's my team that I took over or drafted in a startup draft and then I'm never going to trade, that's going to be a hard way to live because there's going to be a lot of players and profiles you will never have access to because they're on other teams.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that where... Right. Again, I think it has to be intentional. I don't I think people too often trade just to trade. Right. I think the end goal is to accomplish trades and our end goal is to win. Right. And I think that you do get players, you know, there's that famous poll that we've talked about where like it was like 40 percent of people said that their biggest goal in Dynasty is to actually win. Like there's a lot of other people that said trading or making picks or re you know or building or whatever, right? Like
0: that's got to be a top five poll you've ever seen. Yeah, right? it's <laughs> the number one.
1: It's the it's the most illuminating dynasty lesson of all time, really. Um, but but so again, trading is important. But I just I I find, and I actually just did an AOD show on this, uh, just talking about like is more trading necessarily better? And I think like trading is important, but I think there's a happy medium, right? If you're if you're making a, a trade every day in your league, there's you're probably not doing the best strategic job of building your team, right? Because you're you should get to the players that you want and hang on to them right like there should be you know you should get to mahomes at some point and you shouldn't move off of him right like so there's there's those types of things so again I, I do i think trading is extremely important in in understanding that there's different ways to trade and again it's a really good way if you want to put together you know we're going to kind of talk about some of the other things uh one other topic here talking about like biggest mistake owners make um i think too often owners want to be, or dynasty GMs want to be like, you know, kind of fit in with everybody else in terms of, you know, Oh, well, I have to play for value because I want to make a future trade, uh, you know, or, you know, this, the market's going to really preserve the value on this player. Um, I think too often people are are uh, unwilling to make contrarian decisions, right. And and to embrace some contrarian strategies and in a game where it's only one of 12 people are actually going to win, Right, being contrarian is a huge payoff to that because if you're right, right, you massively improve your odds uh, versus the 11 other uh, owners who are using you know more homogeneous type strategies. Uh, where you, to quote our friend uh, Benjamin Robinson at Grinding the Max, if you use a more heterodox strategy where you're kind of out there alone, right? If if that's right, right, if you're if you're correct on those assumptions, right, that has a very magnifying effect on on your team.
0: Yeah, I was I was kind of thinking about, you know, an example where let's say let's fast forward to October. The Travis Kelsey owner is, you know, one in four. And are you going to be the type that you say, you know, I'm in the mix. You know, I'm not, you know, one of the you know one in four teams. I'm I, I'm competitive here. Am I going to am I the type of owner that is open to trading for a tra- 34 uh, year old Travis Kelsey? Uh, you know, versus there's gonna be a cross section of people that are like, eh, not interested, right? De- declining asset, you know. But if, if he's performing like a top one, two, three, or tight end, that that matters. And, and so, are you gonna be willing to, like you said, it might be contrarian, right? I'm I'm getting this old guy, you know, a known decliner for for price point X in season, but if that's you know, if if four of the six competitive teams are not willing to pull the trigger on that. What's the market for that team trying to sell or looking ahead to next year and going, I don't want some 35 year old on my roster for the rest of the season, plus the off season. So that's where, like you said, being contrarian, you could be the only buyer potentially in certain (laughs) settings, you know, or the Tom Brady for how many years when the decline was apparently imminent, uh, he still had super bowls ahead of him. Who knew that, you know, it was one that uh, not everybody in dynasty or drew Brees the last two, three, four years of his career, just not as many people wanted to buy in. And that's when massive discounts where, I mean, we talk about your, your roster at all times. Not everything has to be liquid. Not everybody has to be a huge, pretty dynasty asset. You know, they can also just be two thirds of your starting lineup, (laughs) you know, it could be Keenan Allen and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, you, you, for years you had Brady up there as your quarterback. And uh, maybe right now Aaron Rodgers is your QB two or three. I mean, that's okay. You know, it's okay to be in that situation. Um, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes, um, and this is one that I used to collect, you know, it used to be uh, a running joke that it's like, I want all them rookie picks. And it's still like, again, I, I still have plenty of rookie picks, but it's it's not some sort of contest of collection. It's more of, I like the flexibility of of using them in certain ways. And I think one of the biggest mistakes, especially because what do we emphasize between the Super Bowl pretty much in May, it's about rookie time. It's rookie time, it's rookie drafting, it's the NFL draft, it's the combine, it's all this. We have a little pause for NFL free agency, but let's be fair. I would call about 50, 60, 70% of it not super meaningful for fantasy. It's a lot of moving around and pushing chips in one direction or another for NFL teams, not so much for us. Um, I would say the biggest mistake for owners in the offseason is assuming rookie picks must be made. It's fine to have them. I'm, I'm you know, I, I think there's times to sell freakishly early on rookie picks. I think there's also times to wait all the way till on the clock. But I don't think enough people explore trading picks in general, uh, whether that's moving down, moving to the future year, trading for a veteran. Now, that could be today, could be three weeks from now. It could be when you're on the clock at 105. But I think in general, too many people assume I have four picks and I'm making four picks. I have seven picks. I'm making seven picks. Um, I, I think that is a huge mistake because it gets people sucked in a little too much to getting locked in on, you know, I love Malik neighbors. I love, uh, you know, I love uh, Jonathan Brooks. I love Brock Bowers. Like you just get tractor vision into thinking that I need these young players, which how much are they actually going to help you in 2024? You're trying to win that year. How much are they going to help at 25? How much are they going to be producers more than assets in the early part of their career? Uh, and when you take them off a lot, is 102 more valuable or is Jaden Daniels more valuable? Like these kind of conversations in the macro can really point you in a direction of saying rookie picks are a tool, not so much a guaranteed player coming onto your roster.
1: Yeah, they're, they're the means. They're not the ends. Right, and I think that too often teams get Bogged down and thinking, I have to acquire rookie picks. And you, know, you got to acquire difference making players. Right. And sometimes that is by selecting a rookie, but a lot of times that is using the pick as an asset to acquire a player. Right. I do think that's, that's yeah, a, a point that especially this time of year bears, uh, you know, emphasis.
0: Yeah. And, and the last thing I, I yeah. was, I was kind of surprised that um, I did a couple of, uh, a few actually, like Dynasty team state of the unions evaluations where you look at the roster and you say, you know, where are we headed? Uh, Kind of dialogue of moves to make some recommendations, roster construction, things like that. And I was a little surprised. I expected to do a lot more like here's eight or nine different trade angles that I would explore. I really had it down to like two, three, four ideas of what you should be trying to accomplish in a dynasty trade between now and say week one, or just kind of in the macro of what you should be doing. And it was very specific on certain players to acquire. Here's kind of the pool of assets. I would look to create a package, or here's kind of what I would be using to, to accomplish that. And it wasn't so much as like, you know, flip this guy for a third, you know, try to go fourth to third with this guy. It was a lot more, as you said, you know, going towards elite players and profiles and, and, how can you best accomplish that? Almost, uh, to to a fault of, you know, every team is in a position where one of those types of deals makes sense. Pretty much. I mean, I didn't get a an Allen Mahomes team that had three other studs, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. You can pretty much just sit there and you know, you know, I think there's a couple undervalued things here to add as your wide receiver three or whatever. No, like generally, like you can really stand to upgrade QB one or QB two, um, or you know, uh, just, you know, fundamentals, fundamentals of play. Um, it, it was amazing how much that applies to, uh, almost every team out there. So, um, it really is about doing the same thing and, and making sure that you've exhausted possibilities in that regard. All right. In that, uh, in that regard, did I get enough? And, uh, we got CD lamb on the block in this one rated for Puka and a 24 first tier. So, uh, where does that pick need to be, and what do you think about the the potential of two way go or arbitrage in this setting? I
1: love I love a good two way go when it's when it's largely a similar type player. Again, I think Lamb's a better receiver than Nakua, but you you're going same age bracket basically. I mean, Lamb's a little older than Nakua, um, but they're they're close enough, right, in terms of age. Uh, I, you look at the metrics on a guy like Nakua, like otherworldly for a rookie uh very very productive as well i mean he checks every box basically and you know the question is is like what's the difference between lamb and nakua in a production basis like i'm not sure that it's going to be that much different i i think lamb if i had to project out now i'd probably say lamb over nakua in 2024 uh but i like I think that they're in the same ballpark that you take that first. Again, that first might be an asset to, you know, let's assume it's like mid round or something like that. That might be an asset to go and 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 help you at quarterback. It might help you at another premium position. Like you can take that, the trade of Lamb, go down in Nakua, still stay inside, being a top 30 asset uh, of those wide receivers and go get another one. Right. And that's those are the ones that I really I really like as deals where you say, OK, now maybe I got two mid first round picks. You know, can I go out and am I can I go star hunting at another position? Right. This is a type of move at receiver more than really any other position that can really uh, uh, amplify your team. You don't want to do these deals at quarterback, but you love to do them at wide receiver because really what you're arbitraging is targets. Especially when guys are the same age, and you and and, and you frankly, at
0: tight end and running back, it's hard to execute this, right? It's yes. hard to kind of arbitrage and get a first and wide receiver. We see this market readily available. Um, I kind of have it you know, a fair deal would be somewhere around 105, 106, 107, uh, would be would make this fair. I'm still with you, like in Superflex, I think five, six, seven is a really juicy range when you look at the even worst case outcome of what you're looking at. I mean, you are probably looking at a top 10 drafted wide receiver. You could be looking at probably QB three in that range if guessing. Um, But that's still a guy that's probably going to go top five in the NFL draft. So, I mean, those are really good, as you said, like ancillary things to say, is Nakua competitive with Lamb to such an extent I'm getting a player or prospect or an asset like that available to me as the add on second piece, you know, that's the really productive part. And here's the other thing, right? I mean, we've talked about it before. You get these heavy hitters where like Cooper cup, right? I mean, he hit from a non prototypical range of the draft, you know, or you get Tyree or you get uh Stefan Diggs or these guys that are outliers. Well, the coup is an outlier, but if you wipe away the pedigree, like the biggest reason you get a first here is the pedigree, right? Like, if you didn't yes. know, blind resume, if you had rookie with Pukinokua, what he did in the NFL, versus, okay, CeeDee Lamb is X number of years in, and here's what he did, you would not add a first on it. If anything, you might sit there and you go, well, why isn't the younger guy, you know, a higher value? Like, why is that not like a second-round pick on the other side? Um, the only reason is you have first round, and CeeDee Lamb was a huge Debbie name, a huge draft name. He plays... uh on a team with a star on the the logo, I mean, just like there's a lot of reasons like that why CD Lamb is way up here and Nakua is a first lower in this instance. So, but yeah, I I think you have to be able you arbitrage when you have the opportunity because that first can be hugely impactful to get you somewhere else, a huge upgrade or just a good prospect that is basically free money. Uh, Now we have uh, another ancillary deal here. Not a did I get enough, but we have uh, Drake London. We'll see about what happens with quarterback there in Atlanta. Certainly one of the big critical uh, spots to watch with Kyle Pitts there uh, as well as uh, top players with Drake London and B. John Robinson, Uh, Drake London traded for Debo Samuel and a 24 second.
1: Yeah, it's, this is an interesting kind of pivot. Um, I think of the two guys, that there's a real chance that that London could be an elite player. And I'm not sure at this stage of, of Debo's career right, if he can be an elite player now, the odds of that are a different question, right? Again, of what that coming to fruition, I think it's interesting when you also look at a guy like, uh, Brandon Ayuk, right? There's a lot of smoke to a potential Brandon Ayuk trade right now, uh, which I find interesting. Um, you know, when you look, though, at, at Debo uh, versus uh, versus London, uh, Debo is at uh, what wide receiver 30 at Fantasy Calc, London's at 24. And you think, okay, is that worth a second? Well, they're, they're close enough kind of in that range where you say, okay, the guy that has the prior hit, Debo, likely to outproduce the guy that doesn't have the prior hit in the form of Drake London. I just, I find Drake London to be a, a special case of a guy that I, I just... I don't think it's him, right? I think it's everybody else and not him. Again, that could be, (laughs) that could be a wild, right? I could look back on that in two years and be like, you big dummy. But I I look at, I look at London and all the metrics check out to be, you know, through two years again, this, this past year was a little bit worse. Um, it, it, It checks out to being like, okay, this is an elite type. Yeah. This could be like an AJ Brown type. Well the classic receiver.
0: guy held back by a situation, right? Yeah. I mean and I just look I can't at someone that gets him. the targets, he's over two yards per route run for his career, and you can sit there and go, arguably one of the worst quarterback situations in the league, not his and he's a top ten guy that looks the part and you're like, not his fault. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's yeah. a pretty easy story. Like this could be a graphic, like you if you see Debo, you know, kind of stuck between positions a little bit, he's getting older, is he aging like a running back? You know, mm-hmm. like a guy that just takes a lot of shots and, you know, a lot of after the catch, which has been the reason he's been so valuable for the 49ers and he peaked out, frankly. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. but is he going to be a running back in terms of like apexing on that pyramid and coming back down in his later twenties? He's at a, he's at a very next 12 to 18 months for Debo is pretty interesting because that erosion factor, another injury, you know, kind of working through a season, how much is he going to play? Um, and then Drake London could shoot up like a comet. Like this feels like one that if you lose big, the lose big side is Debo. Mm-hmm. And if you win on that side in my, like if you miss and you, the whiff is on Drake London and he never peaks out, like he never has a top 12 season and they never fix quarterback and he just kind of Myers um, and he never quite gets the volume or whatever, or he needs like AJ Brown. He kind of needs to move over to a different team. I mean, I'll consider that a just a, a tough, a tough loss, a tough beat. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that second is where now, if it's a first, we're talking two way goes, right? And we're yeah, saying like, right, like, like you can get, I mean, that first might be able to buy you someone adjacent to London straight up. So that's correct, correct. Yeah. So then, right. but the second, I mean, not that we throw those around like candy, but that's where you can. You're not going to get a London profile in the second round, so you buy the extra five years or whatever it is, and the higher pedigree, and just the. the I mean, London could be worth four Debo's next off season. It's yes, possible. Could be. Yes, could But be. I don't think Debo could be worth four Londons next off season. No. So the no. big loss is on that side, and again, you could win it. But I I still don't think Debo you would win it for long. Like you're saying, if what if Ayuk leaves and what if Debo is healthy, he could have another top eight season. It's possible. Yes, but I think it would be more of a one-off. Like I don't think he strings together two or three of them in a row.
1: Right. So yeah, yeah. Right. I'm with you. I think the big loss, right? That's that's a, a a great way to kind of think about trades. Like how do you lose big in the this range, deal? Yeah. It's because we always say like part
0: yeah. part of, of trading right is like how about we avoid the catastrophic? Like, right. <laughs> I, I actually, I recorded a show in the, last, in the last couple of days about, you know, what's the worst trade I've made in the past year? And it really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there was a good concept in what I was sharing, but, and it wasn't a humble brag or anything, but one of the things that I've corrected is the catastrophic loss. And you could say you might've missed out on some opportunities to have a, a huge ceiling on some of these. But if you're just kind of insulating from just the, I killed myself. (laughs) I literally just, you know, made myself bleed and and it was a bad process. If you eliminate those, I mean, you really can insulate the floor of your dynasty team uh, on an outcome basis. And it does feel like if you make this trade for Debo, you are opening up a window of you just look around. You're like, I had him. I had London and now he's a top 24 asset. And now I don't have it. Uh, and that could easily be. I mean, it could happen. The buzz could be in free agency. I yeah. mean, it literally could happen in a month. This is the exact wrong time to sell London.
1: Yes, I agree with you. Because if Kirk Cousins lands there, like you think, vastly different about
0: him. Someone functional lands there. Right. I mean, I I know I'm a I know I'm an apologist, but if Russell Wilson lands there, right. like you're at least getting <laughs> you're at least getting a functional NFL quarterback. Right. All right, right. we got one more here, and it's a, a similar type thought, so it might be a quick discussion. We got Garrett Wilson, golden boy, uh, projected to be uh, among the NFL elites the moment Aaron Rodgers plays more than three snaps. So we have Garrett <laughs> Wilson traded for Devonta Smith, a 25 first and a 26 second.
1: Uh, this one's easier than the the Lamb Nakua one. Okay. Hey, just arb the profiles and take the picks. as easy. I don't, I don't think this one's particularly complicated. I know the I know the market might fade us. Like I, I was stunned. I was going through my wide receiver tiers this week. I was stu- fell over uh, out of my chair, um, seeing how high Garrett Wilson was. Right, wide receiver six. Ahead of Puka Nakua. What are we doing? What
0: are we doing?
1: Ahead of call out
0: call out the market like that too often. Uh, what are we doing? They're ahead ahead of home. Chris Olave. What? we are trying we to get Buffalo doing? playoff tickets, Jordan. That's how drunk they are what are we doing ahead of A.J. Brown, yeah. nonetheless,
1: right? Like Mr. 100th everybody. percentile. What What are we doing? And it's yeah, I mean, great. this one's Capital easy to, to me. This one's easy to me.
0: Yeah, my quibble, my quibble with Devonta Smith is the ceiling may not be overly high, but I'll just say this. There's plenty of wide receivers that aren't going to have a top five, six season in their entire career. So if you just constantly chase that, Like be careful, and you you need to fill out your roster. Like Devonta Smith, the the reason his ceiling is lower than he than than you would have liked is he's pairing it he's pairing this depth chart with AJ Brown for goodness sake. He has Dallas Goddard there. He's got uh, again, in my opinion, a guy that uh, is a little overcooked in terms of what he provides as a passer in Jalen Hurts. So you put all that together, and yeah, Devonta Smith is a ho hum QB two. Excuse me, wide receiver two, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. He's got pedigree. He's got production. He checks all the boxes, and it's like you just run – I mean, a first and a second? I mean, you take that and run with it. That first and a second can get you two more wide receivers. You fill out your whole your whole depth chart instead of having Garrett Wilson. That's the options you have. Yeah, I mean, I mean the second first.
1: could be Keenan Allen, and you're Arbing – Yeah, I mean, you're right. two-way going that. You know what I mean? I mean, Yeah, that's, yeah Keenan uh...
0: Allen is the second. If you walk out into the market with a 25 first over the next 12, 14 months between now and your I mean, what do you think the best wide receiver you can get is? This is like that that game at the yard sale, right? Where you just yeah. keep moving up. I mean, you right again, you can maybe be able to get Nico Collins right now for that 25 first. Yeah. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. That you just crush this thing. Just wait for the guy. Who's the next wide receiver to get hurt? the next top 10 top 15 guy to get hurt you can get a first for that guy yes i mean you can probably get dj Moore today brandon Ayuk. i mean these are in waddle you might be able to get one of those guys right now for that 25 first right and you said keaton allen so you got keaton allen devonta smith and one of those guys all for garrett wilson okay then just shut that book right now (laughs) open and shut case jordan you don't even have to present any sort of defense it's just it's over yes no one you don't need a jury there is no jury for that trial signed sealed delivered. Well sed- yeah exactly all right i got a quick one uh a quick lesson from life and dynasty um and this is one that's been ongoing here but don't wait uh to make you know we talk about changes whether that's uh you know something with your life uh it could be simple it could be getting up earlier. It could be going to bed earlier. It could be uh, putting in for that job that you've always wanted. It could be starting a side hustle, you know, like Jordan and I both did. You know, at some point in time with Dynasty, we just started doing it uh, in extra hours in our day. Uh, It could be uh, anything in that regard. It could be uh, learning a new skill. Uh, It could be taking quick classes. And I'll just say this. What are you waiting for? Is there some magical day that you think there's going to be some beacon of light that says now is your time person X to do this. There will never be a good time. That's what I've learned. Like, and, and you just have to start. Don't wait for January 1st for a resolution. Don't wait till next Monday. Cause it makes more sense. Don't wait for the first of next month because it's nice and clean. Just start it whenever, whenever you, you have the motivation to start having it become a habit and I think dynasty works the same way. We talked about optimizing our process. Uh, you know, start eradicating some of these bad trades or the um, allure of bad trades that might suck you in because they have before. Or that you know, we 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 talk about these trades specifically every week to give examples of you know some of the pit holes and some of the potholes that that can get you um, into bad situations and hurt yourself. So I think on your dynasty teams again, eliminating the suck and the things that you are not good at and minimizing the impact of those decisions, either stop making them or just say, I'm going to focus on the other parts of being a dynasty owner for now and really kind of evaluate what I'm doing and come back to that, whether that's trading or the waiver wire or drafting or whatever. Um, Just starting now and simplifying things is the same as in life. You know, what are you waiting for? So do that today. Do that when this is a relative downtime for Dynasty, you know. Like, uh, and, and I would just say that blend of don't wait and cry as quickly as possible and as simply as possible to make it a habit. Um, I actually came up with one, Jordan, and I guess I'll share it. Um, you know, as a, as not holding it back. Like, what if you just had the philosophy when you get the email of a of a trade? What if every time that you see more pieces on the side you're getting and your side has less pieces that you're giving. What if your first thought every time before you analyze it is just, well, the answer is no because you're like, if you're giving up one for three or two for four, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you are, they are consolidating. You Mm -hmm. are facilitating their consolidation. And I would say in a general rule, probably 90% of the time you don't want to do that. Yeah. Love that. So if you just say, okay, I saw more on that side than this side. My answer is no. Like if that's just generally your setup, of course, look at it, but go in with a skeptical nature of, I mean, I've got to really be hit over the head that this is a great idea. Like again, the Garrett Wilson for three pieces. That's a rare thing. I, I could pull out 20 trades like that. but It's like, no, You do not want to do this. So in general, you're keeping the best player most likely in that deal, the best asset in that deal. So most of the time, that's going to be a very good idea. So that's just one idea of just, what if you just have that as one of your five dynasty trading rules of just, hey, you're trying to give me more than I'm giving in terms of pieces, probably going to benefit you. Probably. yeah, That's probably going to be something that I wouldn't want to do. And you're trying to tease me into doing it. So... Food for thought. All right. Uh, Jordan, what are some of the topics we had on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week? Uh, we had a long-form discussion on Deeper Dive. You can find that available as well as all the historical shows at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank.
1: Yeah, we talked a lot of combine stuff, right? Talking about strategy combine, some specific stuff about the combine. Lots of combine stuff. It's coming up. I'm going to get up to up to speed, right? This is a good, a good primer for me to hit the ground. Real run in here for... Uh, for rookie class um, preparation. So excited to watch all that. Uh, We had a good conversation over there and, you know, from just player, some specific players to watch some specific markets to look at some, some different things there. You can have plenty of fun with diving into ahead of the uh, NFL combine.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And, and we talked about, you know, what things to watch, you know, if you are a part of basically it's going to be three, four days or or so of the skill positions, you'll have a chance to watch that uh, or stream it and, uh, again, we gave some of the overrated, underrated aspects of the combine of what you're looking for um, and what positions, you know, you might want to keep more of an eye for in terms of what actually builds profiles versus what is more eye candy and, and more distractions in terms of historical significance towards draft position and, and in terms of, you know, breaking ties and, and what's kind of moving the needle for you and, and what should move the needle. So we talked about some of those more unique profiles that we have in store for 2024 in this draft class. Thanks so much for listening to Dynasty Think Tank this week. Follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL at McNamara Dynasty. We also have our own Dynasty content channels. You can find those at analyticsofdynasty.com and at uthdynasty.com. Unlock your ceiling and seek elite results.